0: Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.
1: Hear that podcast growling, growling mean and, and angry, hear that couple shouting, it's Stainer and Jay. It's
2: Dayner and Jay. All right, welcome to the latest edition here that podcast. Grounds and presented by Visa Network, working for everyone. Paul Dayner, Jr. Jay Morrison of The Athletic. Are here working for you on a beautiful, I'm recording this on Tuesday here, beautiful Tuesday here in Cincinnati. It's nice. It's finally turned. It's got me in a good mood, Jay.
3: Yeah, me too. I've got my spreadsheet ready for the Bengals' schedule, crossing yeah. off possibilities. It's, it's a big puzzle, and they, they're leaking it out early this year, so you can kind of get a head start. But uh, nothing, nothing leaked so far. Two more to go. Uh, we'll, we'll find something out from Fox tomorrow. I don't know if that's going to affect the Bengals, and then you, you find out. Um, on Thursday, another piece of the
2: schedule before the whole thing is released. I well, we won't call it a leak, right? It's not a leak. They are announcing, right, on purpose certain games for each network to like get all excited or whatever and it's stupid this whole thing is stupid (laughs) it's dumb it's just as dumb as doing an announcement of the announcement of the announcement when they say when they're going to announce when they're announcing the schedule that they're announcing it's like at a certain point it's dumb the only thing dumber is what will happen all day thursday when people try to find leaked single game here leaked single game (laughs) there and put together the schedule that we're all just going to get we just have no patience as a people. It's just, it's absurd. We're going like to try to track this thing me. down to put it together. We'll find out soon enough, okay? So anyway, that's what I just said. That said, we're going to talk a lot about the schedule today. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're going to get to that. We're going to bring Mo Egger in, uh, talk a little bit about trips tell some New Orleans stories um, and just talk a little bit about road trip experiences and what we look for and fun things like that. Um, and then we're going to get a little bit into the schedule. We're going to have a Bengals growler bet for you, a run pass or boot. Jay's going to have stats uh, all on kind of the things to look for when the schedule does come out on Thursday. But first I'm going to start a little bit. What's going on with the team? Uh, if you didn't get a chance, highly recommend you, um, my behind-the-scenes story of the Bengals draft is is up still on the site. You can go. We still have the $1 deal per month going on. Um, it, sort of talk to everybody, Duke Tobin, Mike Potts, who you heard from last week. Thanks again to Mike for coming on the podcast with us. It was a, a great companion uh, with the story. And uh, Steven Rudisovich, the Scouts, uh, Andrew Johnson, Christian Sarkeesian, uh, it was great to talk to all of them about the behind the scenes of, of how they came to that and Duke Tobin calling it, uh, it precipitated his worst nightmare. <laughs> uh, it's, it's just it's not my style to trade picks, and and it made him cringe. Uh, to, and talking about how that, that all went down and why he felt like he had to make the decision, something that he never does, which Jay and I talked about. It's just not... Something that they do. Only four times in the last 20 years they traded up at all. They hadn't traded up in the first or second round since Kajana Carter in 1995 yet. It's just unprecedented times around here, Jay. Anymore, that's all it is. It's just unprecedented action after unprecedented action. It really is, but I mean,
3: yes, fans probably don't want their GM living a nightmare, but I, I think it's it's a positive sign that it, they're not saying this is the way we do it. This is our philosophy. We're sticking to this. The fact that they are willing to to adapt on the fly and make what they think is the right move, even though it's not one that they would have picked ahead of time. I, I, I think that is – that's what we're seeing with this team over and over again is uh, a willingness to embrace – New ideas, uh, new ways of doing things, and it's it's paying off. I mean, all you have to do is look at the 2021 season to see the fruits of it.
2: You know, it's funny because one of my favorite things that Duke said for that story when I talked to him was we're talking about the the emotion of players that you love and getting players that you love or trying to get players that you love. And we talked about that because Andrew Johnson had that with Dax Hill. And he said the biggest thing, I think the most important thing for evaluators to do is to take the emotion out of it. And, and evaluate your situation. Evaluate the circumstances. You there's he said, there's four hundred guys there that you've done a ton of work on that you've done put a ton of passion into and that you love for different reasons. The point of taking the emotion out of it is to have the evaluation of all of that in front of you so that you can make the decision to really understand which one you should be buying into and how much you have, how many options you have to you at, at every individual moment. That's he said. It, it's it's a thorough grind more than it is a passion over one player. And that the more longer you're in the business you understand that I thought he showed an ability to take the emotion out of it in this draft Mm -hmm. for himself the thing that he least ever wants to do is trade but he could take the emotion out of it understand we do not the last thing we can do in this draft is drop down a tier with this number two pick or not get this guy who's so much better than everyone else on the board in the fifth round and I have to stomach my own emotions of how much I hate doing that and understand it's the best thing for this situation, as rare as that may be for him. And I and I think, yeah, you're right, that's, that's telling of a team and a guy that's kind of showing some of the same adaptability and flexibility that we've talked about with uh, this coaching staff and, and the way they've approached everything and, and the team in general. Uh, it kind of seems that if in this particular case, it floated upstairs to the uh, director of player personnel.
3: Everybody out there listening, think of how many fantasy football titles you would have if you were able to take the emotion out of it. Because you, you oh, no. see it every year. People picking with their hearts. I mean, take the, take the emotion out of it. Take the alcohol out of it. Uh, you would have a much better draft. <laughs> Obviously no alcohol going on in the Bengals draft, but it is. It's, it, that, that, that's the way it, it people, Gripe. You, you hear old school people griping all the time about it's everything's too analytic based and it's, it's, there's not enough on gut and not enough on feel. That's not what sports are anymore. You, the, the analytics, it, it's not, it's never going to be a hundred percent, but you have to look at things analytically. You have to follow the numbers. You have to follow the trends if you want to be successful. And, and the, the, the Bengals are, I'm, they're not on the front edge of that, but they are catching up and it's paying off.
2: And you got to trust your own evaluations. And and it's a matter Mm -hmm. of putting all those together. I, I, you know, it's true. We, we can sit here and everybody does this, right? The teams draft guys and you hear all the stories about all all the reasons and the background on all why they love so many guys. And his point was, I, I, I can. Go on and on and on about a lot of guys that we didn't draft that we loved. We put just as much, much attention and detail to. That's how you end up taking the emotion out of it is by having all the work done on all of those. But that said, it, all that is kind of explained and, and deeper there in the story. But really uh, appreciated everybody taking time for me to to work to work on that and uh, hope everybody enjoyed it. Um, news going on right now, uh, not a ton. Uh, we had the. The minicamp is coming up. Rookie mini camp is coming up Friday, which is really not much. It's going to be a little bit of time on the field. Uh, we'll be an open locker room. Hey, now mm-hmm. first open locker room since pre pandemic, uh, is, is happening on Friday. Open locker room, just with the rookies that will be in there though. It won't be the full team. We'll get that the next week that is planned to be uh, on next Tuesday. Very, very, very excited about that. And, um, Shout out to the Bengals for being one of the first teams to do that, and shout out to Lindsey Jones, the Pro Football Writers of America uh, president, who has worked very, 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 very hard to try to get us to the point that this is the type of thing that is happening, Um, and we hope that you will see how much that pays off for you, the listener, the reader, and everything else. Um, But today, we did have at the podium Jonah Williams, uh, DJ Reader, you know, both Jonah asked a lot about his fifth year option, talking about how that's great. Not not a ton of uh, really, you know, groundbreaking stuff there from from Jonah. DJ Reader was really fantastic as he always is, mm-hmm. and I thought he had some really good perspective on on a number of different topics, um, and some about why the Bengals won, about Larry Hogan, Joby, about how he was. Pissed off about that, uh, and how you you learn. Not only is the business cutthroat, but you just learn that not every team handles their business the same way. And a lot of things, just about you know, you just get the insight about what it's like for players to watch some stuff like this happen to their friends. I want to bring you some of DJ, you who know, I just thought it was really good. And um, it's good to hear from players because they're back in the building. Uh, just they're just going through their uh, first part right now. It's just phase one. Phase two will uh, will start next week with them actually being on the field a little bit. Uh, but here's a little bit uh, of DJ Reader on a few different topics from the podium on Tuesday. Another player that you're pretty close with is Jesse Bates. Yeah. obviously
0: shared just how important you were mm-hmm. last year getting him through kind of that slump. How much you talk to Jesse and what are you saying to
1: him kind of through this process? I talk to Jesse twice, three times a week. And just, you know, just staying true to yourself. You know, I understand the situation. I understand what's going on again. It's a part of business, and all parties got to take care of themselves. You know, I want him to be here. I obviously want him to get paid. That's my dog. Uh, But I keep telling him that those fruits are going to come. He's put in the labor. He's put in the work. And those fruits are going to come, whether, you know, that is here or somewhere else. And, you know, I love it, love it, would love him to be here. I don't want him anywhere else, but I know that his hard work is always going to pay off. So I try to make sure I keep his head up about just the work that he's put in in this league and let, let him know that hasn't gone unnoticed by anybody. Everybody out there can see it. Do
0: you feel like he's in good spirits? Obviously, we saw last week that he wasn't
1: in town. Mm. Just how is he doing mentally? Well, I think he's in good spirits, but, you know, um, nobody, I wouldn't say, you know, wants to be played with, but nobody, you know, when you, you've you done something, you feel like you've put that work in, you want to be rewarded for it. Um, I feel like, you know, what he did in the playoffs was it spoke for itself that much of a leader and through the middle and somebody, who comes up and he plays in big games. He's out there, you know, and I think he pressed a little bit last year as a player, but I think the way he ended the year just spoke volumes to who he is as a person and pressed through. He didn't come out here. He didn't complain. So, you know, I I love him. love that guy.
3: Everybody takes notice of this offense with
0: Joe, T, and
1: and
0: Jamar, but do you think people can are
1: going to take as much note of the defense going forward in this year? I I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. Care. i mean we're i'm telling you you come out there to practice you watch how we compete how those guys work you know those offense guys are great and i see why they take notice of them i'm amazed on the sideline but we know they're gonna do their thing we compete against them every day we know that but you know when we when camp gets rolling around y'all out there practicing you see how the guys act you see how competitive we are you know we know we're good we know how we feel about each other so you know the guys the guys love it. the guys want to fly around we're gonna make plays and I don't really care if anybody on the outside notices it. I'd rather them not and then roll into Cincinnati and to Paul Brown on Sundays and then get thumped in the mouth.
0: To, the, okay. <laughs> <laughs> to, to that point, though, like yeah. training camp was big for the defense last yeah. year because a lot of guys, I think including yourself, said going up against Joe and T.J. Jamar and everybody on the offense early gave us a lot of confidence
1: that yeah. we could be special. Yeah, we felt the way about each other. Uh, I think you no, know, like we don't have many, very many egos in our room. None of the older guys—they're scared they're up to help the younger guys. There's no real beef. There's everybody out there competing. One groups one through three, one through four. How many ever groups out there? And everybody's excited for each other. We're still on the sidelines, like you said, and watch all the plays. So just competing against that offense is going to make us better naturally. And they're the same way. They're super competitive on that end. Uh, you know, led by number nine, he's really competitive. You got those young guys out there, receiver, our big ass running back. It's just just all those guys, man, you know, they're they're all really, really competitive. Why like Costa
3: Rica? Why Costa Rica? And were you recognized as a
1: Super Bowl N- star? No, uh no I wasn't recognized, but Costa Rica, uh, they got really good street chicken if you know anything about Costa Rica. <laughs> it's fire. But uh just, just to get away, um experience things. I like Costa Rica. I enjoy it. I've been this be my third time that was my third time going uh just kinda like it, you know, just when you land the ride to wherever your resort is, things like that, you know, going outside, doing the activities, they got four wheel and zip line and all that stuff, so just enjoyed it.
2: You guys uh
0: did such a great job for the chip official. Mm-hmm. Uh, kind of coming together as uh, kind of underdogs. How do you run that back? How do you how
1: do you how do you get the that chip back? How do you get that? I mean, the only people talking about us is is y'all. It's like nobody else really saying much, so we still got the chip. There's not like there's a lot of super respect out there about it. It's, and you know, I think just just that's just the nature of these guys in this city and got people you know around us who push us every day. The fans, the everything, everything about this team makes you have a chip on your shoulder and want to be blue collar and go out there and earn it. So I think that's that's just what we embody as the players. You you've
2: been around this league for a while mm-hmm. and been on different types of teams. Did you learn anything about how you can win in this league? Because through last year, that it maybe you, something that just kind of you saw by the way
1: you uh, won. I think um, over the first four years in my career, I, I witnessed a lot of games that you know, it, in situations we were in last year that I mean that we would have lost. I won a lot of games. Won my car, our division three times out of the four years there. But, you know, just things that – games that I've lost, i am like, ah, how we let us slip away. Even last year we lost some games that you're like, ah, how to slip away. But it's just – it's the consistency of everybody knowing we're going to make that next play or knowing the situation or knowing what's going on. I think that means a lot. Everybody's aware of situational football, what time of the game it is, what what's the down and distance, how much time are we bleeding the clock, are we in four-minute mode, are they in four-minute mode, do we got to get the ball back, all those things that we talk about every day. They come up and people who don't talk about them they don't think they're going to come up but they do they always do and i think we do a good job of focusing on those details when it's time to execute we all execute it
2: where does that come from is that coaches harping on it is that you guys as a team focusing on it? where do you think that came from most that made you guys so good at that
1: uh, i think uh, a lot of coaches harping on it, and then a lot of practice uh you know we might have messed up one at the beginning of the year but we went over it we watched it we we see what's going on, and all the guys understand how important it is. It's, it's sideline prep. If it's something like you know you're going out there in the four minute mode, coaches talk about it before the sideline. Like you, that helps. Just any reminder, it's just guys knowing that that's what we're doing. That's what we got to do. Nobody's out there in a panic, but everybody knows that's what we got to do. That's the goal of what we got going on, and that that goes a long way.
2: <laughs> Gee, I really like DJ talking about situational football and kind of how he learned. You you just you have some games that. You lose, you don't know how you lost, but how much focus there was on a player level, on a coach level, you know, and even just the talking through it between coaches right before you go in, knowing exactly the task at hand. We hear we've heard them talk a lot about situational football since Zach Taylor has gotten here and how much they focus on and how much they really streamline their practices and camp and everything else to be really situational and, and to always think of the game that way in segments, not in one big grand game. I really feel like that's a big way that's really under discussed about how football and coaching has evolved in in recent years. Is you just you see so much more of an understanding about that that everything is a situation. It's not just go play football, and the better the teams that handle that the best are the teams that end up pulling these games out when every game is decided by three to seven points.
3: Yeah, that one thing that stood out with when Zach got here is is that his very first game in Seattle, how different the final two minutes of the first half looked how, how he was so much more aggressive and using the timeouts. And it was so stark of a contrast to what Marvin did. And, and you really got that, that look right away that, that, that was what he was going to be, that it was going to be situational. And, and those are the minutes that matter the most. And you think back to last year, that run, I mean, how many times was it? It wasn't just the four minute, the two minute, it was, it was the defense making the play to win the game at the end of the game. And that, it was. That was a big part of of that run um, to the Super Bowl, and who knows? Maybe they do it one more time in the Super Bowl if, if that holding call is not called on Logan Wilson and, and the Rams are looking at a fourth down there, but um, it is. It's it, it, A lot of times you hear the the cliche is, you know, I just go out and play, and the coaches coach and players play, and to, to know that a, a player is – uh, embracing that and understanding that that, that, that the, the the importance of the situation and winning situational football, um, again, a big reason why they are where they are right now. Um, I the the other thing that stood out. I, I want to know what street chicken is. I have no idea what he <laughs> means by that. And the other thing that really I, I the, the quote in there that I love because so many pl- players would have done this and DJ didn't. And it was one of his best quotes of the of the the entire press conference. But when when Mike Petraglia asked him about what will people take as much notice of the defense this year as they did with Joe and the offense last year, and he starts off as, I don't know, maybe I don't care. Most of them, a lot of players would end it right there. And and I, I don't think DJ wanted to short Mike on the question. So he, he goes back into it and he gives a longer answer and it ends with, I don't really care if anybody on the outside notices. I want him to come into Cincinnati on Sundays and get thumped in the mouth. And it just, (laughs) <laughs> I, I, I thought that was really great the way that uh, so many guys would have just cut that off and said, "I don't know, I don't care, it doesn't matter to me." And he he expanded and, and gave a really good answer.
2: Yeah, always like hearing from DJ and uh, one one of my favorite people uh, they have on this team right now. Just a just a just a good dude all around. I I I want some Costa Rican street chicken now. I'm on board. <laughs> I don't I don't know exactly what I've not been there I've not had a ton of street chicken experience but I'm on board with whatever it is I trust his <laughs> I trust his palate man trust a defensive tackle's palate at That's all right. times um, the
3: other I was going to say there's one other question I wanted to ask him and they always say you know they they cut it off and um I we've seen what six or seven different Bengals have have been involved in pregame ceremonies with the Reds. And I, I want to know where DJ <laughs> is in line. He pitched in college. He pitched at college or at, at Clemson. Um, he, he need if they're gonna keep trotting Bengals out to throw out ceremonial first pitches, he has to be next or close to the top of the line for the to get out there and do it.
2: Yeah, I want a DJ Reader heater. That's what <laughs> I want. Let me see the 90 miles per hour coming off the bump. Let's go. All right, let's take a
0: second and switch gears here and hear from a sponsor.
2: I want to ask you before we go to Mo. You know, we we kind of we had Mike Potts on last week as a, and we obviously went through the draft in, in ad nauseum there during that weekend. We haven't had really a chance to kind of reset here. What's your thoughts on where the roster stands? Does anything stand out to you, Jay, when you think about what this roster is at right now, and you know where you feel great, where you don't feel great, where maybe you are surprised about anything? Yeah, I think. Wide receiver
3: is still pretty thin. I mean, you've got guys there. Um, you got Stanley Morgan. You got Mike Thomas. I, I think they need. They still need a really solid four. Those guys are nice pieces that can give you some some snaps on special teams. But if one of the big three goes down, how comfortable are you sliding one of them in there to be a starter for a game or two or longer? And Yeah, they signed some in in undrafted free agency, and I get why they didn't draft one, because they made the trades that you talked about, and they gave up the picks, and that's why Duke doesn't like giving up those picks, because you do short yourself somewhere, but it it, it does feel as great, as as top-heavy as they are at wide receiver, the depth is concerning, and I – it's such a crapshoot. Every year, there's guys that make it as undrafted free agents, and you know Damian Willis did it and started Week One a couple of years ago. Stanley Morgan was an undrafted guy that's still on the team, but I, I don't know that you can count on that. And and I think there there needs there needs to be conversations, and and there probably are. It, it's a waiting game. It's there's still veterans out there on the market that um, I, I think. Probably think they're worth more than they are, and I, the Bengals would be wise to 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 take a look at them and I don't know if they can afford to get them now, but even if you don't can't get them now, you wait them out and maybe get a guy on a on a very very cheap contract closer to the start of camp and uh, someone that could step in and be your number four right off the bat
2: mean well, let's talk about some of those people I mean you know or Odell Beckham is not coming here. No, um, Antonio Brown is not coming here. <laughs> Jarvis Landry is is not coming here. Um, I think you end up with a list of names. There's a couple that are I think are interesting to me. There's three: uh, Will Fuller, mm-hmm. who has been around. I, I I think Zach Taylor has talked about really liking Will Fuller before. I think when he was in Houston, maybe. Um, he's a deep threat constantly injured well what's a good role for someone who's injured a lot not having to necessarily play a ton would he go somewhere here's the thing you have to convince somebody who thinks pretty highly of themselves i'm going to guess to come and play behind this big three and know they're not going to get any snaps okay that's that's a tough thing to convince somebody to do that has real skins on the wall in this league that brings me to another guy that i'd be interested in if i was the Bengals. that's emmanuel sanders hmm. emmanuel sanders is 35 he doesn't need to do this anymore And I don't think he's going to come here to be a fourth receiver. And he doesn't play special teams. That fourth receiver needs to play special teams. Right. Two. So you also have an issue there. Here's a name that I'm most interested in. Keelan Cole. Keelan Cole has had a nice career. He's He's only 29. He's done a little bit of everything. He can play inside. He can play outside. I he, I've always been impressed by him. He's had crap quarterbacks thrown to him his whole life. Yeah. Zach Wilson last year, Blake Bortles. You know, as soon as Trevor Lawrence comes to Jacksonville, he has to leave and go play with Zach Wilson. You know, and you end up. But I talk about a solid four that has played in this league, and I think you know he's young enough that he he probably will be willing to come here and 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 play behind these guys. To me, he's the most intriguing name out there. If you start talking about who the Bengals could really go, because then then you start getting into guys you either aren't good enough to really be a four, aren't better than Mike Thomas, or guys that just aren't going to give you what you I mean, T.Y. Hilton and Deshaun Jackson aren't at a point in their lives that they need to come here and watch T. Higgins, Jamar Chase, and Tyler Boyd play, right? You need somebody who's at a little different spot as a player. And maybe those guys are just gonna sit and and wait for injuries to happen somewhere, or wherever. Maybe that's when something happens here. If something happened injury wise in camp, but I, I think if there's a proactive move to be made, Cole is the one that stands out the most to me. There's just reasons the other ones wouldn't wouldn't work out as much with maybe waiting for Fuller a, a, a distant second.
3: You think Julio Jones is in ring chasing mode yet, or was last year no. enough to know that he's he's kind of like AJ Green? It's just it's passed him by um the other thing you mentioned Cole's 29 Fuller's only 28 it it seems like he's been around for a long uh, a long time that he would be older but he's he's a lot younger too but the you're right he doesn't play special teams he's the injury thing is a, a risk um I'm trying to remember I don't I don't remember I know Cole had some catches in that game against the the Bengals last year I don't think he had a huge game in that game but um he is I mean you're talking about a guy that's spent his career in Jacksonville and the Jets. You get him in, on, in a competent offense, and he really could excel as a number four.
2: Can I give you one more Keelan Cole nugget? Sure. Uh, Keelan Cole, with, uh, in 2020, had nine punt returns, including a 91-yarder for a touchdown. There you go. Uh, still looking for that. Still looking for that, too. So, um, again, if we're talking about where that goes next, you know, I asked Duke – about that uh when i chatted with him and he basically said if there's something that works out economically they're still looking they're always looking which is the standard response stock response from duke but he did point out there are still you know spots on the roster they have not mm-hmm. filled up to 90 for a reason so there's still acquisitions to be made again this is a team that you know the last few years signed mike daniels uh very late right before camp um they traded for BJ Hill. I mean, they've they've been willing to make moves and found ways to add in this kind of dead period window that have helped them. Um I would say if there's a if there's a name though that stands out, um, that might be one. Also from Louisville. Just down the road there. Yeah. I mean, I just keep putting it together. I'm just I'm just I'm just one man with a puzzle. That's all. That's all it is. Um yeah, that's my primary roster thought too, Jay, um, is that – and I I still – i I'm still not totally in love with their defensive tackle situation mm. depth, but, I mean, that's – we're really nitpicking. Like, we are really nitpicking when we're talking about who's the third defensive tackle that you've got, you know I mean? Because Josh Tupo brings you flexibility to kind of do a little bit of yeah. both. You have Reader. I, I, you'd probably like to have one more guy. Uh, but, again, that's really getting nitpicky when we start talk, getting to that level Ross roster. I don't have as much of a problem with tight end as some people do. It's one year where you're going to have Hayden Hurst, who you paid and expect to play well, Drew Sample, who – Whatever you think about him is a very nice number two tight end who has played a bigger role before, and you're going to have a guy who's a special teams dude like Mitchell Wilcox, and they're in eleven personnel all day anyway. You know how it's if something if Hayden Hurst gets injured, that's you're certainly going to have some level of concern there. Um, but it's not. I don't. It's it's not end of the world type stuff for me. I'd be much more concerned with receiver just because of how much they do play eleven and do rely on those receivers winning all the time. Yeah, I mean, tight
3: ends a luxury at this point with the way that offense runs, and it's a want, not a need. And and it it could it it could be a big year for Hayden Hurst. He could be a big part of this offense, but it you don't have to have a tight end, a dynamic tight end, um, to make this offense go and. There, there's still there's guys out there that maybe they get another uh, a camp body so to speak. There's veterans on the wrong side of thirty that who knows how interested they would be in coming in and and going through the the grind of a training camp. But you know if if disaster strikes and something were to happen to Hayden Hurst, there's there's other options they could go to. And even if they can't, um, you're right. Drew Sample's a, a solid enough tight end that. It, it's not going to derail the offense if if you lose
2: Hayden Hurst for a number of games. All right, Jay, it's time. Schedule time. <laughs> Let's kick off schedule talk, bringing in Mo Eger to talk a little bit about road trips and other fun things like that, tell some stories, and then we're going to come back and we're going to get into the nitty-gritty of uh, what matters and doesn't matter with the schedule, including run passer boots, Jay's got stats, Bengals growler bets, all of it coming your way. But first... Spring and Moeger. What's going on, Mo? Um,
4: I'm just uh I'm I'm counting down the sleepless nights to the uh, schedule being released.
2: Yeah, we're really we it's all a are. slow drip. Uh now at this point, it's it's exhausting and I hate that we're going to spend a lot of time talking about it today. But you know, you have I to. will say for I, I enjoy talking about the best road trips cuz i'm like to me the best part vacations are great but like planning vacations is one of my favorite parts of a vacation and like coming up with the idea of where to go and what you're going to do like, the actual execution i'm like this with a lot of things in my life like the ideas i love ideas the actual execution can be a lot of work this is the fun part you start thinking about the trips what you want to do where what matters to you things like that
4: You would make a great radio program director. Uh, (laughs) I'm, I'm, I'm with you. I like, I like uh, having stuff to look forward to. And, um, you know, I, I enjoy from a pure football standpoint, sort of seeing what, uh, advantages or disadvantages the schedule may, uh, provide. I enjoy the requisite complaining. There's always some gripe somewhere that the league is out to get every single team. Certainly Bengals fans. I've, I've heard from many over the years about how the league is trying to screw the Bengals with the schedule. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, you know, I, I try to get to a road game or two per year. It's a little tricky with my schedule. So I, and I, I read the mock schedule that you did. Mm. I do something. I mean, I don't do a mock schedule, but I have my own like preferences that are personal to me and they're based on the games I want to go to the games I might be able to go to maybe me being in an area where a game could be played already. And so I enjoy seeing it's, it's sort of like the last piece of the off season puzzle, right? Like we've had the most of free agency, we've had the draft and now the schedule and then, and then we sit around for three months wondering, uh, you know, what, what else might happen.
2: But it's like a bad piece. Like if we're talking about a real puzzle, it's not some middle piece. It's not the connector. It's like it's like one that's off to the side, but not even an edge or a corner. It's just it's like a blue sky piece that you just have to put in there. It's like okay, let's let's put that in there too. I guess because it's complete the puzzle. That's fine. All right, here's what I'm going to start with this. Yeah, trips that matter to you and priorities for making a great road trip of uh, any of the particular games this year.
4: Well, so for me, understand, I, I, I work on University of Cincinnati football broadcasts. And so the very first priority for me is, is there a situation that allows me to do both in the same weekend? And we had a couple of those last year. Uh, the Bearcats played at IU and the Bengals played in Chicago. That was that was great. And till kickoff on Sunday. Um, I got to tailgate with your wife. That was, that was a lot of fun. Yeah. I think I, I went to the game with your wife.
2: You actually. did. And then she left. <laughs> and then <Mo> left. <laughs> she had enough.
4: Uh, there was the, um, uh, trip to Annapolis for the Bearcats on top of uh, the next day, mm-hmm. the, uh, the Bear, the uh, Bengals played in Baltimore. So I always look for situations like that. So for me personally, I'm looking at UC's at SMU this year. That game is on October the 22nd. Um, Not that I'm dying to go back to Jerry world after the cotton bowl, but you know, if the Bengals are going to be there when I'm already there, that, that would be pretty cool. Uh, Orlando to Tampa is doable. Uh, The Bearcats play at UCF on the 29th. And so uh, a chance to go to that game at Tampa on uh, the 30th could be kind of cool. The jets game, um I have to be in a wedding in New York on September 30th, and so if the Jets game ended up being that weekend, that would be cool. Or if it ended up being the weekend the Bearcats play in Philadelphia on November the 19th, I could drive up the New Jersey Turnpike and and go to MetLife Stadium, which I, I really have very little desire to ever go to again. But it, you know, <laughs> again, uh, to to combine two in the same weekend would be cool. So I always I always look at that, and then it's it's a chance to go to warm weather cities. And I do the same thing for UC football. Uh, So they play USF. um, I guess they won't be playing them much longer, but historically when they play USF, you're rooting for a game in late November, right? Because who wants, you know, what's the point of going to a warm weather city like Tampa uh, in in September? So you want that game to be later. Um, That's a cool trip. And New Orleans is my favorite American city. I love going to New Orleans. I've gone, New Orleans is one of a handful of places I've gone to, By myself on vacation, that's how much I like it. And so uh, the Bengals trip to New Orleans because they only play them on the road every eight years. Um, Certainly looking for for that as a possibility as well. Also, again, very selfishly, I root for, uh, and Dan knows this, I I root for games, Bengals games that prohibit Dan Horde from calling a UC basketball game. So (laughs) the Bearcats are playing in the Maui Invitational this year. (laughs) I would love it if the Bengals could play on that Monday night or that Thursday, which is Thanksgiving, and then Dan can't go to Hawaii. And well, <laughs> someone's got to call the games. So my <laughs> way of viewing this is admittedly not what I would expect most fans to, to through you know to, to view this through the same lens, right? So uh, that's selfishly how I view uh, the schedule release. I also hate cold weather, and so I you know if the schedule has to be front loaded or back loaded. Like last year, they had a stretch of five home games in six weeks uh, before the Cleveland game, which didn't mean anything where they were going to be at home. And competitively, that's pretty cool, right? You're playing all these teams down the stretch when the games matter the most in your own building. But uh, as somebody who goes to the games as a fan, I kind of like it when there's less cold weather games. So I like it if it has to be front loaded or back loaded. I like it to be front loaded. Uh, towards the, the earlier portion of the schedule. Again, this is just me, and I'm not looking at, at this much through the love of what's better for the Bengals or what's better for anybody else. It's what's better for me, because at the end of the day, I, I care about myself more than anything.
2: We all do. All right, let's just take a quick break.
3: I'm curious. Um, Sunday... Uh, New Year's Day falls on a Sunday this year. Are, are you a New Year's Eve guy? do you do you have a particular destination? I mean New Orleans can be fun any good any time of the year. Do you want New Orleans on New Year's Eve or do you want a town that maybe might not be as fun on uh, on a normal day and have that be the New Year's Eve game?
4: So I've done New Orleans on New Year's Eve because the Sugar Bowl so I've seen right. that I've done that. New Orleans is awesome regardless so I'd rather experience New Year's Eve. Uh, somewhere else, ideally not New York, uh, <laughs> because the, the whole Times square thing, uh, and, and I stadium that just where that, where that stadium is. It just, it, it's so inconvenient for all parties involved. So no, I'm not a huge new year's Eve guy, but if I'm, if I'm on the road and the Bengals are playing on Sunday and I've got my friends with me, then we're going to go out and new year's Eve is going to be a part of that. The other thing though, for like having fun on the road is. The Bengals are good now, so they're not going to be playing as many one o'clock games, which is great for the night before. Yes. It's also great if you're only able to travel to the game on the day of the game, which is, you know, sometimes the case if if uh, if you have a Saturday commitment. So that excites me a lot. My other thing is I don't want them to play on Christmas Day. I know one of the three Christmas Day games has been released. There's a big part of me that wishes, the NFL would just leave Christmas day alone, but the NBA plays, the NFL is trying to steal that real estate. I want those games on in the background where I could watch, but I I don't want to have to say to my family, like, all right, for three and a half hours on Christmas day, I need to watch this football game. I don't want to have to do that. So I'm really rooting against, and I want the Paul Brown stadium workers to have Christmas day off. So I'm rooting against the Bengals playing on Christmas day.
1: which they did in
4: 1989 when I was 12 years old, lost to the Vikings 29 to 21, and ruined my Christmas.
2: (laughs) How about having to tell your family, uh, I won't be there for Christmas Eve or Christmas Day because they're playing on Christmas Day out of town somewhere, and I'm going to be reliving the Christmas Eve in Houston debacle on NFL Network from years ago, which I don't want to relive. Story, though, that one of my favorite stories of all time of any road trip was I actually was also at that Sugar Bowl Covering, I don't even know who I was writing for, but I was there, and it was Bourbon Street like all night long. If you remember, did you ever go down to Bourbon Street on that trip? It was, <laughs> I mean, it was a it was like we're going to go try it out, right? Total madness, shoulder to shoulder as far as the eye can see in any direction. I mean, it's like Times Square ish, right? It was unbelievable, and all of a sudden, from down in one street comes a giant beer delivery truck trying to back its way (laughs) into Bourbon Street at like 10 o'clock at night on New Year's Eve. I've never seen such a daring, futile attempt. It kept going. People are trying to move, but they can't move. And as it gets closer, there's a bunch of people just, you know, everybody slammed. You can't really see what's going on. You just see the top of this truck trying to basically run over people on its way through. As I get closer and lean up, there is a family of four on the back bumper jumping up and down, including young children. <laughs> and I'm just like, this city is the best. This city, they're just, they're just embracing this. It just doesn't total chaos. On the same trip, by the way, uh, in ja- at Jackson Square, there was a live concert happening, and uh, the guy who was singing there was was Cupid. You might know the Cupid Shuffle. You're familiar yeah. with okay. the Cupid Shuffle? Yeah. Yeah. He apparently had other songs, uh, (laughs) and and he would sing, including one of them was called Please Don't Make Your Baby Mama Mad, Y'all was the name of the song, (laughs) and I got to tell you, it was a catchy old tune that I really enjoyed. To the point that the next day I went to look it up. I think I wanted to post it in a blog or something. And the only place I could find it on the internet was he sang it at what was called a Mick concert, which was okay. McDonald's was trying to do concerts in their like, new play areas or something. <laughs> so he's in a, in, a, in a Mick concert inside of a McDonald's singing, Please Don't Make Your Baby Mama Mad, Y'all, which I have loved Cupid ever since then.
4: What I, so that trip, I was there for eight days and there's two <laughs> things that stand out. Number one, my first wife came down on the trip, but she showed up after I'd been there for five days. And I remember getting her at the airport, just looking at her going like, Hey, I know you're ready to have some fun, but I'm, I'm cooked. I'm just ready to <laughs> kick But the, the first night we were there, I did what a lot of people often do when they go to New Orleans. You go a little too hard on the first night. So the next day, the Bengals were playing the Kansas City Chiefs. So 2009, this was the the game in which they clinched the division, won the game 17-10. to It's a noon kickoff in New Orleans. I'm looking for a place to watch it. And for those who haven't been, and it's changed a little bit, but Bourbon Street doesn't exactly have sports bars, right? It's not a great – no, that – and UC was staying on Bourbon Street, which was not a good idea. <laughs> um so I'm I'm looking for a place, and the Saints are playing at the same time. Saints have a noon game, the Bengals are playing at noon. I start walking up and down, and there is a bar that I go into, and they've got the little decal in the window that says Sunday ticket. And I go in, and they only had like three or four televisions. They're all on the Saints game. I go in, I'm not feeling great because of the previous night's activities. And I go to the bar and the woman serves me. And I said, is there a shot that you could turn on the Cincinnati Bengals, Kansas City Chiefs game? And she gave me that like exasperated look you get from bartenders when they don't want to change the channel. But she still grabs the remote and she zips through and she settles on a game. And I think it was, I know it was the Browns. I think they were playing Oakland. And she puts the remote down and just sort of gives me that look like I should pay her 25 bucks for changing the TV channel. And I look at her, and I go, well, that's, that's Cleveland, and I'm almost certain it was Oakland. That's Cleveland and Oakland. And she looks at me, and she goes, close enough, honey. So, <laughs> <laughs> so when the Bengals clinched the division, I watched the highlights as they were showing them during the <laughs> Cleveland-Oakland game.
2: <laughs> uh, so what trips are you going to be making this year? Or is that dependent solely on uh, time? Are you, st- are you planning on doing New Orleans?
4: Uh, of all of them, that is at the top of the list for me. A, I love New Orleans. I've never been there for. I've never been in the Superdome for a Saints game. I've been for the uh, the New Orleans Bowl, uh, a thrilling <laughs> North Texas win over UC at the end of the two thousand two season, in which Gino Cadoli threw five interceptions. I was there for the Sugar Bowl uh, at the end of the oh nine season. I've never been to the dome for a Saints game, so I you know I agree with what you wrote, Paul. That I'm not really sure that the country cares that much about. Burrow and Chase going back to New Orleans. I don't know that that game is as marquee as a lot of people are making it out to be. And, you know, I think the Saints right now are sort of a a, a relatively anonymous team. But I still think that could be great. New Orleans is awesome. And so uh, I've got to balance this with being in two weddings this fall um, and the Bearcats schedule. But if I can do New Orleans, that is at the top of the list for me. Um, UC plays Tulane all the time. I've gone on my wife and I have gone on vacation. I've gone by myself a couple of times. I've gone on bachelor parties. Uh, I just I love the city. It's so much fun. And so that's that's at the top of the list for me.
3: What about the home opener or not just the home opener the week one? I mean, people get so bent out of shape because there was that long stretch where they they were opening on the road every single year. Is that is that something that's a big deal to you? you the it, it, number one, is that a big deal to you? Number two, schedule release. How does that play in talk radio? Is is that something that you get a lot out of?
4: Um, no. <laughs>
3: <laughs> people love it, but it's it's you you keep there's not much to talk about before it happens and after it happens and people kind of say it's over yeah. and they they forget about it.
4: I, I you know typically if there's like some sort of injustice, like I remember in 2016 season in, in Jersey against the Jets, yeah, and it was on the um. 15th anniversary of 9-11, and there were a lot of people upset about that. And and I I just – I remember thinking that's a really sort of almost selfish way of looking at that. Like mm-hmm. one of the two New York teams is going to be at home. The, the Jets happen to be on the Bengals schedule. Okay, that's when the Bengals are going to play. Like somebody had to play on the road in New York. It happened to be the Bengals, and they won the game. And, and I remember that year there was a great amount of angst, and I don't even remember – what the first month was like, but they made it difficult on them and they weren't going to have Vontez perfect for the first three games. If I recall, or maybe maybe it was the
3: that was after the Antonio Brown hit,
4: right? So people were really upset at how, and I don't even remember beyond the jets game, how it was laid out. People were really upset about, uh, the NFL screwed them that year. And I don't remember how, the thing about the, the home opener, I mean, typically all you have to do is look at a Reds baseball schedule. Yes. If the Reds are home that weekend, well, you know, the Bengals are opening up on the road. Now, you know, maybe there's a Monday nighter where the, the Reds are off and they can slide them in on Monday night. But I mean, you know, typically it's it's not that hard to figure out the first month where they're likely to be. And so I'm always taken aback by the folks who have it, – it's, it's never a big deal to me if they open at home or not. I mean, it's – I guess it's kind of cool. But I always think, like, well, what if they went on the road week one? Then they'll come back for week two and, you know, there'll be more excitement. Um, but I'm always a little bit taken aback by the reaction to that when the Major League Baseball schedule comes out well before that season. I think we had last year's red mm-hmm. schedule in September or October. So you could look way ahead and say, okay, well, the Bengals are unlikely to be home this weekend, likely to be home this particular weekend. I'm always surprised by that. But in terms of, it working on talk radio. No. Um, and, and there's, 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 there's almost a part of me that wishes like we didn't have this specific formula of who you were going to play in, in a given year. But, but I guess there's no work around that. So as a general rule, no, but people do look forward to it. And I I do too.
2: We, uh, are very aware that your greatest day in life happened in Hawaii. Uh, (laughs) <laughs> revolving around uh, a trip that you were able to So for your sake, uh I hope that the the Bengals have a very normal schedule or play on Thanksgiving so that you can get that trip to Hawaii and Dan Horde has to be bitter. I feel like he owes you after last year <laughs> when you had to watch the red the Bengals playoff run with Salad Lady and also was that was that the one that was in Greenville? Uh, salad
4: Lady, Salad Lady was the Raiders game. Yes, and uh, Greenville was. I watched the game on a bus, on a plane. Um,
2: there were many I, sad experiences for you watching last because of you are covering for Dan Hart. So it's only fitting that you would get it paid back in a trip to Hawaii. So for your sake, uh, I hope Dan has to sit out this. Trip to Maui.
4: You know, I was um I was with a uh a Bengals employee at uh a Reds game on Monday night. And we were sort of recalling he got fitted for an AFC championship ring, Mm. which I think is really, really cool. And we were recalling just that whole run to the Super Bowl, and he said to me, You know, Mo, you still have never seen a Bengals postseason victory in person. (laughs) The only game I got to go to was the Super Bowl. It's true. So now I'm walking around with that weight, right with that <laughs> burden. So that if if they're in the postseason next year and I I'm, I'm able to go, then you know, boy, there's going to be a lot on me. And now now I'm carrying this burden. But yeah, I mean, it would be it would just be cool to call a Maui Invitational. But um, I also know Dan would like that too. So yeah, sure and by would. the way, the, yes. the, the UC basketball audience is a hell of a lot better served if Dan Horde is calling the games as opposed to to myself. But um, yeah, that th- there there are times where. Uh, the Bengals conflict works in my favor, and there are times where you know, as much as I love UC basketball and filling in for Dan, and it's great. Um, you know, there's times where it 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 costs me at least a, a little bit.
1: Well, for
2: your sake, I hope it happens, uh, and and luck finally turns uh, your way, Mo. I appreciate it, and uh, I will see you in a little bit over on ESPN fifteen thirty. All right, always good to bring Mo back on the show. Excited to do that. Um and Jay, we're gonna have to think about our uh, our throwback game that we're gonna do with Mo again this year. We've done them the last couple of years, uh, which included my favorite moment of watching Boomer Esiason run around a van that was parked in the end zone. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we did the last Bengals playoff win. Uh, we did the Corey Dillon rookie game against the Oilers we've we we, we've got to find a new throwback game that we're going to do this year we have to kick around that idea because I love doing that every year it is the meltdown at Paul Brown still too fresh it's less it's less of a fresh wound now that the Bengals have gone to the Super Bowl Um, but it might still be a little too close we still need to go a little further back uh, there's, we'll, we'll, we'll kick around some ideas. We, we've, we, we have some that we kicked around last time that we didn't do, yeah. uh, when we were picking. So we've still got some to, to go through. Well, there, there will be time. There will be time. Let's talk a little bit about the schedule. Um, games to get too early. What is the real advantage of the order? It's like complaining about the lineup in baseball, right? The actual difference it makes is going to be minuscule. It it's. But there are advantages. I mean, there are advantages and disadvantages to the way certain the order of the games breaks. What what stands out to you when you start thinking about games? What would be the biggest advantage or disadvantage we'll see based on just the order of the games?
3: I think it's kind of what you wrote in your mock schedule where you, you wanna get teams with with first year quarterbacks or first year head coaches. You wanna you wanna get them early and before the gel sets and and they kind of if who knows they may not take off a lot you know it's rare for first year head coaches to take off but still better to get them early rather than late. Um, I don't know how important it is. You know, last year the way it broke was kind of perfect with all those NFC games early because it was you know if if you don't start fast it's not going to count against you. In a tiebreaker situation, if you do start fast, you could really see. We talked about this all offseason. You, you you could see it snowballing and and some momentum building, and that that kind of happened. And then they hit a wall in the middle, and then they took back off again late. Um, so I, I I think that is it. There's enough teams on the schedule that have first year head coaches, first year quarterbacks, um, where you would ideally. I think that's it's not a matter of home and away. Um, or even specifically destinations, it's as far as weather goes, warm, cold, that type of thing. It, it comes down to when you get those teams that are f- trying to find their footing and ideally getting them early.
2: Here's the the games that would qualify with either a new quarterback or head coach. Atlanta, uh, the Browns, obviously with Deshaun Watson two times, uh, the Dolphins with Mike McDaniel now, their head coach. Steelers with Trubisky or Pickett, whatever happens there. The Saints now have Dennis Allen as their head coach. Uh, and the Buccaneers have Todd Bowles now taking over for Bruce Arians. I'm throwing them out. Yeah. Brady negates everything, and Bowles was an easy promotion, so I'm, I'm not going to count them. I mean – the Falcons, I don't think it matters. I don't think they're going to be good at any point in the season. They have no answer at quarterback. I hope Desmond Ritter ends up being a great pro, but the chances are you will be heavily favored to have Joe Burrow going against Desmond Ritter if he were to take over for Marcus Mariota, who's fine, who's who's fine. But, you know, you talk about games that you would have a big advantage in. So I don't think you need Atlanta early where that is, like, one that you're really looking for. Um, the The Browns? I mean, I don't think it's going to take long for Deshaun Watson, but the guy hasn't played in a couple of years. There's going to be rust. Um, He is going to be trying to learn a new system. I mean, and I don't think we're going to get a suspension this year. The thought is that nothing's going to go off as far as his trial stuff until April, and that probably is going to end up being a 2023 suspension, and you can see the league trying to stick it to the Browns in that way too after <laughs> they restructured the 2022 year to try to take very little money away from him. That said. Um, Brown's early seems to be maybe the most important of all of these just because of you expect Watson to pick up steam once he kind of starts knocking the rust off and playing in that system for a little bit. Um, I don't think you're worried about whenever the Saints are playing, Mitchell Trubisky or Kenny Pickett, or the Saints, the Steelers, are, are, are trotting him out there. Maybe the Saints, but Dennis Allen's been a head coach before. He's been around. Again, it's that easy promotion. Winston has been around. And I think they're going to be great at any point. So to me, I'm looking for that Browns game. I'm looking for Steelers. You want both of those early, and, and and probably the Dolphins, maybe a little bit too, as they got a lot of new pieces. I'd I'd start there if I'm looking at a few games that I want to see in that first month. That's probably where I start.
3: Yeah, and then the flip side of that is that you know a team like Pittsburgh, where I it just it feels like they are the 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 worst team, not the. The worst chance to win the division at this point because you do have such an uncertainty at quarterback, and we've seen this before. We've seen it be the case where the Bengals play the Steelers. Both games are in December, and getting both those games late, um, I think, yes, you would like to get them early because it would be a rookie quarterback or a Trubisky, but I, I don't know that um, – I have a lot of confidence. They're they're still going to be. yes. Tomlin's never had a losing record. They'll they'll be in the mix, but I, I don't think it should scare anybody to have to play Pittsburgh late in the season, and, and especially getting them
2: twice if if that is the way it were to play out. Um, obviously, what everyone's probably going to be talking about coming out of this is going to be about prime time, though, right? I mean, we're yeah. Jay. You got stats. You ran the numbers. Losing losing the Super Bowl the next year. What happens?
3: You get the maximum number of five primetime games. In, in the last 12 years, only one team has not gotten five. And this is s- schedule release primetime games. There's Games get flexed in, games get flexed out. But when the schedule's released, 11 of the last 12 Super Bowl losers have gotten five primetime games. And the lone exception was the 2012 Patriots. You would think they would be a big market... Uh, hot team Brady fatigue think.
2: was there like brady belichick fatigue at that point i'm trying to take myself back to that point in time 10 years ago
3: yeah i don't know i don't know what the case i mean they got four they were only one off of the max um who knows but um yeah it it feels with with you have the offensive rookie of the year you have a top five mvp candidate the playback the, the comeback player of the year you, you it's an exciting offense. It's a young team with a lot of marketable players. I just – I think – I'd be stunned if if they don't get the max. I could see a lot of times the Super Bowl loser is is a team that was kind of established and, and they were on that climb, whereas the Bengals kind of came out of nowhere to get there. Um, so maybe there's some hesitancy where – Uh, is this team a fluke was it a was it a one-time a one-hit wonder last year Uh, but I don't think that's going to be the case because they have such they have the personalities that is going to drive it and really people are if you're talking Monday night football Sunday night people are going to watch Thursday is the one where you really you want to get the marquee ones because it's it's harder to get eyeballs on a Thursday night but I, I if if I'm betting I'm 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 going all the way. I'm saying they're getting five, and they could possibly get flexed into a sixth.
2: Yeah, I, I think people do view the fluke. I think people do view them as regression candidates, and they are a small market, despite Burrow and Chase and going to the Super Bowl last year. You know, and and I think that can affect viewership. I I think I don't see think you're going to see them all that often falling. Out of the 425 window, which is a, mm-hmm. a, a huge deal for CBS and for Fox to be in that, that afternoon window draws the, some of the biggest numbers of the entire weekend, um, often the biggest, and goes to a lot of the country with a, with not as many games going on, so... The Sunday at one quotient is really, I think, what you'll barely see. Will they end up with five primetime, four primetime? I don't know. It probably depends situationally. We've talked a little bit about this, which games would be likely to happen. I think you can pinpoint them pretty easily. I mean, anything, I would say division, not Pittsburgh. You mm. know, any Browns game, any Ravens game, Ravens probably number one on that amongst the, the North games. Obviously, the Chiefs. Obviously, the Bills. Obviously, the Bucks. Burrow versus Brady. I mean, mm-hmm. these are pretty clear. And then the Cowboys game, which could be, they could still end up on Thanksgiving Day. That's actually Mike North was a fantastic guest on Bengals Booth podcast with Dan Horde, who does part of all the schedule making and and TV operations for for the league. And talked about how that's actually a free game. That's not. So we talk about what year after from year to year it alternates, whether it's the AFC or the NFC team going to Dallas. It's actually a free game because it's the 17th game that was added. So the Bengals are very much in play as an option for Dallas on Thanksgiving Day. Um, but that game will always draw a big number, so they're not likely to maybe burn one of their best matchups between a huge market like Dallas and a team like the Bengals that was in the Super Bowl. On Thanksgiving, maybe still could happen. Obviously, however, um, you know, keep that in mind when, when we're thinking about if they're going to end up on Thanksgiving or not.
3: And, and we could find out tomorrow. I, I keep thinking about this because uh, CBS had their announcement today, and they they picked a Christmas Day game. So when Fox has their announcement tomorrow, is it going to be their part of the Christmas triple header, or will they? announce what they're we're not going thinks- to
2: speculate on what they're going to announce tomorrow how they're going to leak <laughs> their leak we're not going to do this we're not
3: going to speculate it was well, because the bengal <laughs> it could be bengal's cowboys on fox on thanksgiving day might be worth checking out my big question from today so what they announced at i believe it was around seven fifteen a.m or maybe it was maybe it was closer to seven thirty. but they announced the christmas day game on cbs was rams and um, it was Bills, right? Rams and Bills. And our colleague out in L.A., Jordan Rodrigue, tweeted it as soon as it was announced. Now, did she get up at 4 a.m. to watch CBS this morning just on chance to see if the Rams were going to be part of that announcement or, or did she schedule that tweet and uh, kind of get a, a heads up ahead of time? Because kudos to her if she got up at 4 a.m. to watch on the one in 30, well, I guess it'd be a one in 16 chance that her team was going to be part of that announcement.
2: I don't know. It feels <laughs> like a new that was coming scheduled tweet. <laughs> uh, all right. Let's talk about Bengals' growler bet. Are you ready? Yes, always. It's been a while since we've had a growler bet uh, as the season has ended, but we've got one for you. You can always send your answers, hashtag BanglesGrowlerBet Bet on Twitter. You can at myself and Jay, but as long as there's a hashtag banglesgrowlerbet Bet on it, we'll see it. Or you can send an email to me, pdaner at theathletic.com, with the word growler somewhere in the subject header. Shout out to everybody that sends very punny, cheeky <laughs> subject headers to me that have the word growler in it. I appreciate those. Um, here's what we're doing. You need to send me two things. Number of Sunday at 1 p.m. games that will be on the Bengals' schedule. Number of Sunday at 1 p.m. games that will be on the Bengals' schedule. And, yeah, and, and who will the Bengals play in their first primetime game of the season? does not count preseason, regular season. Number of Sunday at 1 games and who will they play in their first primetime game? Send it to us on Twitter, hashtag BanglesGrowlerBet, or to me, P.Dainer at TheAthletic.com with Growler in the subject header. Jay, what do you think?
3: I'm going to go 7 on the games in the 1 – because even if they get 5 primetime games and 5 4 o'clock window games, there there you go. That's still, that's still 7 at 17 1 17
4: games, don't
2: forget. Right,
3: yeah. So um, I'll, I'll go seven on the one o'clock windows. They don't have any games on the West Coast. So th- th- that's not going to be a one o'clock game. That's four o'clock our time. And it, w- when I was going through the the stats and the schedule, they, they love putting championship game rematches in prime time early in the year. But I don't think we're going to see it. I I do think no. we will see – I do think not early in the year. I think we'll see Bengals Chiefs. But the Chiefs play Thursday night in week two. I can't imagine they would force them to play Sunday night uh, in week one and then turn around and have that short week in week two. Maybe it's week three. Um, The 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 way the Reds schedule, the, the, I think the Bengals could play – the Bengals couldn't play at home on Sunday in week three, but they could play at home on Monday in week three. But I just think that's too iffy. I I'm going to go – I'm going to go Bills. I, I think that could be a week one or week two um, primetime game, and I, there's no no conflicts yet uh, that, that would prevent the Bills from being that first opponent. It just seems like too too good of a matchup with Josh Allen and Joe Burrow.
2: I was saying this. From a Bengals perspective, I mean, I had in the mock schedule, which is one of my favorite useless exercises of the year, <laughs> uh, which I basically just use just to think about all the trips that I wanted when I went them to be, <laughs> which I have thoughts on those that we'll get to. Uh I have the Chiefs, Bengals, Sunday night football, week one. You pointed out potentially that's not as realistic. I understand that. But my thought would be, wouldn't you want that? Like if you're the Bengals, mm-hmm. just keep riding the spotlight from last year, the momentum in that that's a really high profile tent pole type event. For the league, those those big the Thursday and the Sunday opening weekend. Um, by the way, the Rams were in the home Sunday night game uh, to kick off last year, so maybe it's a maybe it's a good omen. Um, I I think you are you're dying for that. I think the Bengals would love that. I think you know what you got so much continuity. You 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 were playing on the big stage at the end of last year. Keep it rolling. Bring in the Bills. You know whatever. Play a home game uh on a on national television i think you would that would be an ideal situation for this team you know for throw all the rest of it out go go big right off after the jump and and go for it
3: yeah i agree any i mean primetime chiefs but even if it's bills i think it would be ideal to to get a a marquee opponent at home to start the season where you, you could just kind of pick right back up because there is it, it's not it's not automatic it doesn't happen every year we saw the 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 chiefs do it um but a lot of times the super bowl loser just kind of falls off the cliff the following year and if, if the Bengals could could beat a marquee opponent in week one that just it doesn't take that out of play but it really kind of it takes the it takes the sting of the super bowl loss away a little bit more it it really as much as they want to talk about hitting the reset button it it officially does it to to go out and get a win against a big team and you just kind of hit the ground running for the rest of the season um i don't know that it, it, who i mean outside of Chiefs and Bills on that home schedule anybody else qualify i mean sure i mean any of the, the afc
2: north i mean you Ravens. could end up with the browns i mean you're talking early season people would be how are people going to be interested I, I don't think the league is going to want to put the browns on high profile no. national television and deal with the De- deshaun watson stuff i don't think that they're going to want to mike north hinted at that with dan about they're going to be judged on their record last year which wasn't mm-hmm. super, um, and not on the fact that they have a high profile quarterback. Let's just say I think we're gonna see a lot more Broncos games and they just got a big yeah. new quarterback than we are Browns, the Browns games, and they just got a big new quarterback for two, for, for the reason that the NFL doesn't want to take that blowback. And so for that reason, Ravens, Ravens home, you absolutely could see. I mean, a lot of people obviously love the Ravens and where they're at as a team too. Both favor to to be at the top of one of the best divisions in football. I think that's in play.
3: Yeah, I mean the the Ravens are one of the Bengals' most common opening day opponents, and they've only been in the league since '96. So that 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 it does feel like they they tend to load up division games early in the year. Obviously, they always finish with division games in in the final week of the season. Um, and the Bengals almost always open. I didn't look beyond this, but they almost always open with an AFC opponent. Last year was an anomaly playing the Vikings in week one. It's it's almost always AFC to, to kick off the season. And what Mo mentioned, it, it's all tied to the Reds schedule and the Reds are on the road on the Sunday of week one and Sunday of week two. Uh, there could, it, it has happened very rarely in Bengals history, but a a home home start to the season is in play this year.
2: So we'll see how that goes. Uh, run passer boot, Jay. Uh, what's higher? Primetime games, four twenty five window, the the late TV window, or home games in december and january remember last year saw that late run of a lot of home games five of the last seven the seven games in december and january five of them were at home they and they took full advantage of a lot of that um and the way they played late in the season um what is higher primetime games 425 window home games december january
3: I'm going to boot the home games in December and January although I I haven't looked at the are there four or five Sundays in December I guess there's probably only four because uh New Year's Eve is it's January 1st and January 8th are are the um the January games so I, I can't imagine. I think there's only four in December, so you're looking at six total. Sure. These things are reciprocal. They're. I don't think they're going to get that cushy of a of a home stretch again this year. Uh, I don't know if it's going to completely flip the other way, but um, it, it feels like two or three home games in that in that stretch is more likely. Um, the tough the tough one here is the run because I do um I do think it's five primetime games. Now we're talking we're talking schedule release, right? We're not talking how it ends up after the Correct. flexes. Yeah, so um I'm gonna run with prime time I'll pass on the the 425 window although I really think it's gonna be five and five I, I could see that that being um equal uh but we're not allowed to do that and run passer boot so I'm gonna we'm gonna run with prime time I'll pass on the 425 window and I'm gonna boot the the late season home games
2: I'm gonna run with the late window uh mm. one because there's no cap on late window games yeah. uh and Two, I think there's a chance you could still end up with four primetime uh, for the Bengals for some of the reasons we talked about earlier. Um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna run I'm gonna pass on primetime and I I will boot December and January those those six those six Sundays. Um, the odds that it's gonna be five that would be pretty mm-hmm. wild to see that happen again. Uh, four, you know, you still probably that probably won't be enough. So I'm gonna boot that. Um, Jay, you got any more schedule stats? Um,
3: well, if you want to know the last time, uh, 2017 was the last time they opened home and home. That's when they, they had the 50-year celebration, and that was that broke the, straight, the string. The Bengals had opened on the road from 2010 to 2016. Uh, Mo referenced the 16-year in New York. I think that was part of the reason people were so upset, too, because the Bengals hadn't had a home opener in forever. Uh, but they went Baltimore, then Thursday night against Houston. Uh, before that, you have to go back to 1983 to, to find a season where they opened with— with two straight home games Um, it's only happened five times in franchise history including in 1969 when they opened with three straight home games i don't think you're gonna see that uh, happen ever again Um, but it is in play this year with the reds being on the road those those first two sundays um, that is something that they take into account Uh, you, you there's no way they can have two both those teams playing at the same time they they did have it one time uh with a, a day night. Uh, and that was only because the 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 Bengal or the Reds were in the, the playoffs and it got scheduled that way. But they're gonna avoid that at all costs. And the, the fact that the the Reds are out of town, I could I could easily see them opening home
2: home as rare as it is. Only thing I'm looking for, let's not have to go anywhere on Christmas. Um Well, that's gonna be rough. Well, I mean, unless you get like you said, you game or Monday Monday night night game, go
3: anywhere. I see what you mean. I
2: mean, I'm you know what Christmas Day night game. If it was the night game of the Christmas Day doubleheader, at least you get Christmas Eve and Christmas morning and Mm -hmm. some of the day even with the family, whatever. But you know, don't be putting some don't don't end up in the Christmas Eve night game or like a one o'clock Christmas Day. It's just it's a ruiner to ruin is what it is but we'll see where that ends up thanksgiving i know everybody thinks that would be cool and the Bengals have not really done that i i just I, I i don't want to spend thanksgiving working and it's strictly selfish like we said we root for us no no thanksgiving games no thanksgiving night no at dallas nobody wants that just have a nice little calm tidy sunday at one before and after that we don't need to mess around um. So those those are the things that I'm kind of looking for. That and wins New Orleans, wins Tampa. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, that's kind of uh, give me New Orleans. What do we think? You you love the you gotta love the idea of the music festival going on the weekend of uh, of New Orleans potentially on Halloween Voodoo Fest. Yes. That, I mean that, that would be great. I mean New Orleans over give me give me New Orleans on Halloween yeah. over New Orleans on New Year's. 7 times a week twice on Sunday let's go like i'm taking that i mean that to me is 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 where to, where it's at but anytime don't we, i was texting with Cat Terrell, our friend in New Orleans <laughs> and i said what do you think is this will be the best week and what's going on? She pointed out that it was probably the best one. She said, because then you're out of hurricane season. I said, oh, damn, I forgot about hurricane no. season. The last <laughs> thing you want to do is have to worry about hurricane season. So you need to get really once you get to about that point, mid to late October, October 23rd, that and on, you don't have to worry about hurricanes in New Orleans, too, at least not the type that coming off the Gulf. I I already know
3: whatever week they do play the Saints, our Bengals growler bet that week will be what time does Cat Terrell show up in the press box oh, for the day on. of the game. <laughs> <Two> <laughs> minutes
2: She's
3: gonna after show inactive. us around town the night before. Yeah.
2: Yeah, we love you, Cat. Uh, all right. <laughs> this sound this has been a lot of fun. As always, the schedule actually comes out. Um uh, on Thursday so uh, keep an eye out for all our coverage of that and kind of you know, reactions there so thanks everybody for listening we will talk to you next time on hear that podcast ground. have a good one